So let's turn to Psalm 63 for our scripture reading. Psalm 63. Let's listen here to this beautiful portion of God's holy and inspired and infallible word. Psalm 63, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So far, the reading then of God's word in this psalm. May the Lord bless us as we meditate upon this beautiful psalm for a while this morning. Dear people of God, you probably know, of course, that thirst is one of the strongest cravings that all human beings have. In fact, we can say that really about all living things, plants as well, even if they have no consciousness, but all need water and refreshment. We've had, of course, many hot and dry summer days in West Michigan this year. We've also had the wonderful and timely rains, such as the one that we experienced yesterday in abundance, providing the needed moisture for the thirsty and maturing crops. We can certainly respond, the Lord is good and gracious. And the same, I would say, could be said of the animal world. Most animals also have a constant need for water to quench their thirst. Psalm 42 begins with those familiar words, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Yes, the deer pants for water when it is being chased or is is under some kind of duress. And similarly, our human bodies, too, have a deep need and craving for water. It's typically said, you know, that a person can be without food or live without food for as long as a month or maybe a little more even. But one cannot survive without water for more than just several days. Now this morning, I want to reflect just briefly then on another psalm which also expresses that strong sense of craving that we call thirst. However, the thirst that Psalm 63 speaks about, just as is true of Psalm 42, is not primarily physical thirst. It does allude to physical thirst briefly, but the main theme of Psalm 63 is spiritual thirst, the longing of the soul for God and how the Lord satisfies that thirst. That's why the ESV Bible gives as the title above this psalm, My Soul Thirsts for You. Another version offers the title, The Soul's Thirst for God. 
and the superscription beneath this title indicates that Psalm 63 was written by David and also mentions the occasion which led him to pen this psalm. It says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And that wilderness of Judah was a dry and barren region. The land of Palestine, in fact, has many uh, arid regions, as much of the Middle East does today. As you know, just look at a map of that part of the world. It is mostly desert. And now in Psalm 63, David was reflecting on a certain time in his life which he spent in that desert region. There are especially two occasions in the life of David that we know about when he found himself in that wilderness. One occurred before he became king, when he was being chased by King Saul, who pursued him for a long time to try to catch him and to kill him. And so for many months, David was on the run. He was hiding. He was living in the wilderness of Judah, seeking to avoid capture and stay alive. Another time that David spent some time in that desert occurred after he had become king for some time already, but faced the greatest threat to his kingship. And that was when one of his own sons, Absalom, sought to take away the throne from his father. Absalom would surely have killed David, God not spared David's life and enabled him to escape from Jerusalem into the wilderness till Absalom's threat was removed. And because David refers to the king in verse 11 of Psalm 63, he says, but the king shall rejoice in God. He's likely speaking there about himself. Many commentators believe that it is there for this latter experience that David had in mind his flight from Absalom into the wilderness of Judah when he wrote the words of Psalm 63. Whatever the specific occasion, however, was, is not most important to determine the meaning of this psalm. Rather, what we should note is that in that wilderness, in that desert, David experienced then real thirst, a double thirst. One was a bodily thirst. He refers to that in the last part of verse 1, when he writes, My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. His flesh was feigning for something to drink. Scriping description here, in a dry and weary land. The King James and the New King James translations choose to render this expression, a dry and thirsty land. And it's not surprising that it's such a dry, thirsty, weary land. David himself was thirsty and weary, and his flesh or body longed for God to sustain him. Even so, it was not his bodily thirst that was his uppermost concern and longing. Because notice that David begins the psalm by saying or by praying, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Yes, his body longed for God because he knew that God could provide physical satisfaction for his bodily thirst. But it was above all his soul which thirsted for God. For God alone could provide him with a spiritual satisfaction. Now exactly what was it that David wanted from God? What was it that he was thirsting for which God alone could supply him? And One is he desired the fellowship of God. Secondly, he desired the love of God. And thirdly, he desired the strength of God. 
First, David's thirst and longing was for God to be with him. He strongly yearned for the presence of God, the experience of God to be near to him in the wilderness. He desired the fellowship of God. As David prized that fellowship with God above all other fellowship or communion. Because listen to what he tells God in verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. And David is reflecting here on that special experience that he had when he was still in Jerusalem and was still able regularly to worship God in his sanctuary or at the tabernacle. He obviously did not have that opportunity when he was in the wilderness of Judah to worship God and to fellowship with him in God's house. Yes, David himself had seen God's glory and his power in the tabernacle worship. And how he experienced that? Well, not by literally seeing God, of course, for God is the Spirit. But he had seen God's glory and power by faith as he worshipped God. It's true, you see, that when we worship God in his house, as we're doing right even now, it's not an ordinary experience. It may be a regular experience. It may be for you a weekly experience. But it's never to be an ordinary experience to have fellowship with God in his house because he does, in a special way, manifest his power and his glory to us here as we sing our songs of praise to him, as we pray to him, as we hear his word spoken to us. That does something to our souls if our souls indeed are right with him and long for him. If we worship our Father in heaven, It's because his son Jesus Christ is our Savior and the Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. And then we know what a unique experience it is and blessing to have fellowship with our God in his house. Christians who no longer have the opportunity or the ability to come to God's house know that and miss that deeply. To be sure they may still be able to worship God where they are confined in their own homes or nursing homes or other places in various ways and and even with several various groups, but it cannot replace the experience of having fellowship in God's house with God's people. And so let's, let's never take this time that we have here each week anew for granted to worship and to fellowship with God in his sanctuary. May we come each Sunday thirsty, thirsty for God, to see his glory and his power. Because it's not always easy, you know, to have that thirst. There are many things today which can compete for our spiritual thirst. Earthly attractions and pleasures which beckon us constantly, especially in the summer season. Uh, Recreational activities can easily begin to dominate our lives and our activities, especially on the weekends. Instead of going to church, uh, people devote Sunday to boating and and to camping and to traveling and to sightseeing and going to festivals and all kinds of other things. In the meantime, the church is often in the summertime run empty as people are busy with all these kinds of earthly enjoyments. And actually, you know, we, we have plenty of time for all those other activities and enjoyments during the week. 
But may it never be at the expense of faithful church attendance or the worship of God with his people. May we above all things prize the fellowship of our God in worship, as well as in our personal and in our family times of worship, in the reading of his word together, in our meditating upon God. May our souls always be thirsty for God and earnestly seek him at all times so that we may experience his presence near us day by day. So David thirsted for God's fellowship. Another thing that he thirsted for was for God's love, the love of God. Notice what he says in verse 3 of Psalm 63, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Now David's point here is that even though he misses the blessing of being in Jerusalem and attending the house of worship with God's people as he finds himself in the desert, he can still experience where he is, the love of God. That love, he says, is better even than life itself. Now what is that love of God? Well, an older uh, English word for it is loving kindness. And that's a translation of a common Hebrew word in the Old Testament called chesed, chesed. That's a special word in the Old Testament for God's love. It refers to God's gracious covenant love. It's God's special love for his people by which he has bound them to himself. We could also call it God's saving love or God's redeeming love. And it's the greatest blessing or possession that anyone can have. When you ask the typical Joe or average person on the street, you know, what is the greatest blessing that you have? They will typically cite for you one or more physical or temporal blessings. They may say, for example, the greatest blessing I have is my family. My greatest blessing is my spouse or my children. And without question, those are indeed great blessings. Others will say, I can think of no greater blessing than to have good health and strength. But you know, even the richest person in the world will admit that without their health, their riches don't mean a thing. If you are battling a life-threatening disease, who cares whether you live in a million, multi-million dollar mansion? But there, there's a much, much greater blessing that we can have and enjoy than our health, than our families. It's the love of God. It's God's amazing chesed, His amazing grace. That love is steadfast that love endures. Possessing that divine love for us is greater, says David, than even having physical life. Why? Because that covenant love from God himself is something which which we are totally unworthy of and undeserving of. It's a love of God by which he has made us his own and redeemed us from all our sins. It's a love that Paul describes in Romans 5 verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the love the Apostle John says about in in 1 John 4, verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for all of our sins. So this divine love, you see, assures us of 
complete forgiveness and salvation. And we could add that this love of God is eternal. Human love is always temporal, but God's love endures forever. Nothing in all creation, wrote Paul in Romans 8, nor things present nor things to come, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One can be paralyzed from the neck on down or be dealing with a terminal cancer, facing the imminence of death, and yet have the greatest blessing that anyone can possibly have, the steadfast love of God from which we cannot be severed. And the wonder David responds, he reflects on that divine love in Psalm 63, my lips will praise you. And in verse four, so I will bless you as long as I live. May we know and experience that divine love in our hearts and be ever thirsty to experience it even more richly and fully because that's what truly and eternally satisfies the soul. David says in verse five, my soul be satisfied as with fat and rich food. He means God's love fills him with more pleasure, more satisfaction than the richest food that can fill his mouth and his stomach. Yes, God's steadfast love satisfies the soul beyond measure so that we can sing about it even more enthusiastically than about anything else in the world. As David says at the end of verse five, and into verse six, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Sometimes, you know, when you're awake at night during the night season, maybe for any reason you're not feeling particularly well or, or you're anxious about something, you're facing some problems or difficulties or circumstances, but when you reflect then again, during the night watches on God's love, his eternal love, you can still offer to him joyful praise. And then, people of God, there's still a third reason that David thirsts for God. He thirsts for God's fellowship. He thirsts for God's love. He also thirsts to receive the strength of God, God's strength. He recognizes his need for God's help in all life circumstances. Listen to verses 7 and 8. For you've been my help, in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Without the upholding hand of God, David knows he's helpless. He knows he can't fight Absalom and his cohorts by himself. He can't survive against his enemies without God's help. He, he, he knows that in his own soul he needs the strength of God to sustain him. That's why he says, my soul clings to you. He needs the Lord to sustain him in all of his spiritual battles as well so he can stand and grow strong in his faith and commitment and obedience to God. He cannot do that on his own. He needs God as his helper. And David is confident that God will only help him, but as he ends the psalm, he expresses the assurance that God will defeat his enemies all who seek to destroy his life, he says, they will perish, but the king will rejoice in God, who is his hope and his strength. You know, we too, as God's children, can testify, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. When we have God as our helper to protect us, to give us strength 
against all our enemies, the sin that is within us, the sin or temptations that come to us from without, even from Satan himself. We have God there to help us and to strengthen us. You see why David thirsted for God in the wilderness when his soul longed for God and and in a dry and weary land because only from God could he experience true fellowship and steadfast love and divine strength. And well then, congregation, in conclusion, this is precisely, you see, precisely why we again celebrate the Lord's Supper here this morning. It's for all those very same reasons that David expresses here in Psalm 63. We are here, or we should be here, because our soul thirsts for God as we also live in the dry and weary land of this world. Even though we have it good physically and materially, we still are living in a spiritual desert. The secular society and culture that surrounds us is dry and empty and can offer us no true, no lasting satisfaction. Yet as God's covenant people, we need to be truly filled living in this desert world. And so we come here to God again, thirsting for his grace and love and presence. May that be the reason you're here this morning, because you know that only God can satisfy your soul's deepest thirst. And one way that he fills us is through his holy word, as we're meditating upon it even now. Another way is through the sacraments, particularly for us now, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning. Because you see, in this supper, we are having communion with God and with Christ, our Savior himself, in a spiritual sense. That's why we call it communion. And as we eat the bread and as we drink the wine, we taste thereby also the love of God as we recall the death of Jesus for our sakes, by which he saved us by which he showed his incredible, amazing grace to us as he sacrificed his own life on the cross for us, a love that is greater than life itself. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we receive then the strength of God. He nourishes our souls with his heavenly food and drink. He renews our faith. He deepens our devotion. He strengthens our spiritual life. How thirsty Are you this morning for God, for the living God, to experience his power and his glory? May your soul and mine be filled and satisfied with him. Then you can leave God's house this morning with songs of praise to God and to his son. Amen.